Welcome to Your Work, Your Way. This is the podcast where you learn to get in touch with your inner CEO with soul. Learn to take charge of your career. Learn to show up with confidence in a way that is aligned with who you really are. I'm your host, Lisa Filia, Masters in Psychology, Certified Life Coach, Expert Career Confidence Coach, and Founder of Believe C. Let's dive in. When you are not being seen at work, it can be incredibly frustrating. It can feel like no matter what you do, your boss does not see you. And it can feel like whatever you try, you just aren't being given the chances that you need to show them that you can make it. Well, if this resonates with you, then you are going to get a lot out of today's episode because it's all about what to do when you're not being seen. You'll leave this episode with clarity on what might have been happening and the reasoning behind the the process for not being seen, as well as what you can do to help yourself get seen. And I've been working with clients since 2018 with topics related to this. And what I see with the over a thousand career professionals that I've worked with is it really boils down to six key misconceptions. And these misconceptions have actually kept them stuck, kept them invisible. And so today I'm going to break apart each of these misconceptions And from that process, you'll learn what you can actually do to help yourself get more seen at work. And bottom line, it is your job to create opportunities. It's not the boss. It's not the company. It's not your colleagues. It's not your work itself to figure it out for you. It's your job. And this is such good news because it means we can stop waiting and we can start creating opportunities to be seen. Of course, we can't force somebody to see us, but there are things we can do to make it easy for them to discover our talents and to notice what we're bringing and to give us promotions because of it. The techniques that I will be sharing in today's episode are actual ones I've used with my clients that have led them to get raises, to get promotions, uh, sometimes back to back to be promoted into management positions, into senior level positions, to have their companies even pay for them to continue get coaching because they've been seeing the benefits so much. And so it's been a way for my clients to be invested in by their own companies, as well as for them to really create what they're after. And for those of you who want to do this process with me as your coach, join me in one-on-one coaching. You can go to believec.com slash schedule to schedule a call where we can discuss what the coaching process would be for you and I to work together. All right, that will introduce our episode and now we'll do our work win. Today, I wanna celebrate my client for taking the courageous step of acknowledging what she wanted next for her career and committing to taking action on it. Uh, This client had recently started at a new company. It's actually a company she's been wanting to work at since she was a kid. And a new opportunity within that company popped up and she was feeling like she didn't know if she could actually pursue that opportunity, if it was okay. She was feeling guilty about wanting to immediately make a change within that company. But through coaching together... 
she realized what was actually happening in her mind, what was actually stopping her. And in a future podcast episode, I will be sharing the recording from that coaching session with that client's consent so that you can get a feel for her actual thought process and how we unraveled some of the limiting beliefs that she had within her, processed some of those through so that she could choose to commit to going for the opportunity she really wants. Sometimes some of the hardest things can be admitting to ourselves what we want. We often want to let ourselves want things, but we stop ourselves. We we stop ourselves ahead of the want even because we're afraid if we truly let ourselves want, we're going to be so disappointed if it doesn't turns out. Or we have all these thoughts about what it means about us to even want that thing. And so coaching can help you work through what's going on so you can understand why you're halting yourself and you can let go of some of the guilt, some of the shame, some of the fear even in order to make a decision based on what you truly do value. And so I am celebrating this client for having the courage to explore her mind in that way, as well as to share it with you all uh, in a future episode so that you can get uh, to experience it in real uh, time as she's processing it, processing it with us all. So that is the celebration. And for those of you listening, if you're feeling stuck or unsure about how to move forward, let this client's own experience be a cue that one, you're not alone. We're all dealing with our own drama that we're trying to work through. And two, it doesn't make you weak or bad or insecure. It just means that you have some thoughts that are holding you back. You have some emotions that are keeping you stuck and coaching can help you to let them go so you can create the life you really want. It's out there, my friends. It's available to you and it can be available to you now. You don't have to wait till the outcome. You can bring that experience to you in this moment right now and live as you want to live even before you have what you think you need to have in order to live that way. Okay, let's now go back into our episode. When you're not seen at work, what do you do? Remember, bottom line, it is your job to create opportunities. We'll go into those six misconceptions now. I'll break them apart, share what you can do instead, and you'll leave knowing some specific steps you can take to help yourself to be seen. Misconception number one, my clients become in this mindset that they need to wait to be given a chance. And if this is you, it'll sound like phrases of, you know, I just need somebody to take a chance on me. And it implies that it's the other person's job to give you a chance. But guess what, folks? It's not their job to do that for you. And as long as we think we need to be wait to be given a chance and that we need them to take a risk on us so we can show them we can do it, as long as that's our approach and our main uh, belief, we basically tell ourselves we don't have the ability to create opportunities because we need them to do it for us. But the truth is, instead of waiting to be given a chance, give them a chance to see you. It's not our boss's job to come up with our career path. 
to ask us what we want to do next in our careers, to come up with a plan for what that could look like, to find a way to get our career progression to fit into the company's overall mission. Yes, it would be amazing to have a boss like that. And yes, many bosses do do that or at least aspire to do that. But oftentimes that's not the case. And truly, sometimes it's just not the way the boss sees their job. And so it's your job to do that. Your boss is focused on them, their bottom line. You're their direct report. Maybe you're their means to even get there. But you are the main character of your story, not theirs. And so you have to help them to see you instead of waiting for them to give you a chance or to take a risk and give you that opportunity, you need to find a way to give them a chance to see you. And this applies to the interview process as well. People will tell me, I need these interviewers or I need that hiring manager to give me a chance to take a risk and to hire me because I know I can do the job. Why the heck would somebody want to take that risk? You have to give them a reason. You have to you have to take the risk. You have to help them see. I was recently helping a client prep for interviews. We were doing a mock interview and I had asked her a question like, if you were to work in this company, what would you see as your plan for how to transform this department? And then she was giving her interview response. And what I noticed is she said that she's done that before and could help the company too. She didn't give steps or any specifics. And so I gave her that feedback. And she said to me, I hear you, Lisa, but I don't want to tell the interviewers the specifics for how we would do it because then they could just not hire me and do it without me. And I appreciate that. My client doesn't want to be taken advantage of. But guess what? She's asking them to take a risk on her by hiring her. We have to be willing to take a risk on the interviewers by giving them responses that'll help them to see that we know our stuff. That's us taking a risk. That's us giving ideas, giving advice, advising ahead of time before we get the job offer. It doesn't mean you have to create a 30-page proposal and outline every single detail of the step. Of course, you can leave some holes and gaps in there. It doesn't even make sense for you to be able to create that plan without actually being embedded in the company. But you can give them the overarching steps of what you do. You can show them through your knowledge. You can give them advice. That's you taking a chance on them, giving them a chance to see you by you providing intelligence to them, by you advising them ahead of time. If they don't hire you, if the worst case scenario were to come true and that company didn't hire you and then took your ideas and implemented them, one, they don't have all the the inside information that you have. You can outline a plan, but the actual application is so much different. Just like you can read a book about how to sail doesn't mean you actually know how to sail. So for for that very fact in itself, they don't actually have the plan. But two, if they don't hire you after all of that, then it's an amazing compliment that you impacted them so much that even beyond that conversation, You're in their mind. You're in their company. And who knows? Maybe a future opportunity will pop up or maybe they know somebody who would be hiring later on and they could bring you your name up. You're giving them a chance. And if they truly were to just take your ideas and run with them, 
You don't want to work there anyways. But this means we have to give them a chance to see us, whether we're talking about our boss or hiring managers. We can't expect them to take a risk without us taking a risk first. We need to guide that way. We need to find a way to help them to see us. And so in the example I just shared, it's about giving them true advice. Don't hold back in that interview. Give them a chance to give you a chance. The second misconception. My clients will come to me requesting to be seen. They'll hope to be given an opportunity and they'll even say, hey, I hope that you can give me this opportunity so that I can show you what I can do. But we can't just request somebody to see us, we can, even if we're directly saying that. We have to give them something worthy of being seen. If people aren't seeing you, why not? Are you doing anything worthy of being seeable? What could you do and how could you market yourself differently? We can't just ask people to see us. We want to do something that's worthy of being seen. And yeah, sometimes the work itself doesn't, isn't enough, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But we have to ask ourselves truly, if people aren't seeing us, why not? It doesn't mean something's wrong with us or that something's wrong with them, but it might mean that there's something wrong with our process or that we're not, we're honestly not doing enough or high impact things. Sometimes I have clients who are yes folks, and so they always say yes and do the task that their boss asked for, and then they don't understand why they're not being seen. Well, it's because they're, they're being seen as the doer, the implementer, not the strategizer. And so instead of just asking for opportunities, asking to be seen, asking for our skills to be utilized, advise, help people to have something worthy. Instead of just saying, hey, let me help you with that, say, hey, here's what I would do to solve that problem. May I go ahead and implement it? That way you're not just requesting an opportunity. You're not just requesting to lead a project. You're actually giving them something worthy of seeing you, of giving you the opportunity. This brings me to the third misconception. My clients assume that their work speaks for itself. They assume if they work hard, people will see it. Their resume will tell the story to interviewers or the outcomes they've gotten for their customers will speak for it in the company. But like we said earlier, our boss, our team, the company, They have their own stuff to deal with. They're not focused on you and what you did. So we can't just assume our work speaks for itself. Instead, we have to speak for our work. We need to make it easy for our boss or for hiring managers by speaking for our work, by informing them of what we did. This isn't being pompous. It's showing them how the team operates. So if you're in a company and you did something, and the boss doesn't see it, that's not just too bad for you. It's also too bad for the company because then they don't know how to use you. It's your job to help your company see how to use you. I was working with someone once and he had ideas that would be really helpful for how to run different meetings in their department. 
operationally, he had a really good process mind. And so on his own end with the projects he had, he would run the process that way. But he wasn't really informing the people that that's what he was doing. But he was continually getting frustrated for all of these gaps in the process that weren't being filled. He assumed that people would see the way he was doing it and could then follow suit. But the truth was, people aren't that focused on his work. They had their own stuff to do. And in fact, they were even calling him out a little bit saying like, hey, did you do X? Did you do Y? Because they were thinking of it from the process they knew, not the process he was doing. And so it actually caused even more confusion. And so instead, what we worked on was him speaking up for his own work, him informing them of his process, him saying, hey, this is how I did it. This is what I did. This is why I did it. Let me know if you want to talk about this together more. Let me know if you want to try it out on your own. Let me know if it's not working for you. It's all about informing, not to say, wow, look how amazing I am. Look at all these incredible things I accomplished actually for the purpose of helping the team operate. When we speak for our work by informing others of what we did, why we did it, and how they could do it too, giving them that opportunity, we are giving our team an opportunity to be more efficient. We're giving other people an opportunity to see new ways to do things, as well as ourselves to hear from them if they push back, if they see potential holes in the way we're doing things that we don't see from our own perspective. It's a gift for the company. We can't just assume our work will speak for itself. We have to speak for the work. And so when you're on that next team meeting, instead of waiting and hoping and assuming your boss should acknowledge you for what you did, speak up and say, hey, I wanted to give you a status update. Here's where we're at with this project. Here's what I did. Here's the result. My friends, if you're not seeking a new job, you're still in a constant state of being interviewed, whether you know it or not. Every conversation with your boss or with your team is an interview. It's the long-form interview because there could be a future opportunity coming in a year, in two years, in a month. Maybe that's already in process. It just hasn't been released that there's an opening yet. Think of every conversation as an opportunity for you to speak for your work, not just to build yourself up but also because it's what the company needs to know so it knows how its team operates and so it can use you in the way that would be best supportive for the company and for yourself. All right, misconception number four. It's this idea that people owe you. And job seeking, whether you have a job now or you're looking for a job, People, people assume that if you do something for them, they should do something for you. It's like every gift or every advice you give, you assume it means that person then owes you. You assume that there's an IOU happening. It's like a tit-for-tat type of arrangement. It really is a sense of entitlement. I've noticed this with clients where they feel resentful. And when I ask them, why are you resentful of that person? They say, well, I let them know what I do. I let them know how I could help, but then they didn't think of me when they were talking to their friend who's hiring for that position. How dare they not bring my name up? They should know because I told them one time that that is the type of experience that I have. They owe it to me. And whether they outwardly say they owe it to me 
or it's just an inner thing, that's the theme of the conversation. They believe that other people should be sharing their name because you shared their name once. But guess what? It's not always that I pat your back, you pat mine. Other people don't owe us anything. Because being owed something implies some agreement, some arrangement. So unless it's in a contract, unless it was a handshake verbal thing or a contract written down, no one owes anyone anything. We think because we connected Jane with Joe, that means that Jane will think to connect us with Rodrigo when Jane's talking to Rodrigo. But the truth is, Jane might not even be thinking of us. Jane might have forgotten we're the one who introduced Jane to Joe. We are not thought of the way we think people should think of us, truly. No one owes us anything. And so anytime you notice you feel resentful, check yourself to see if it's stemming from entitlement. No one owes us anything. If you think that they do, it's a lie. And it's a lie you're telling yourself. And it hurts yourself more than it hurts anyone else. No one owes us anything. So if you feel like you're owed something that you're not given, that's a sign for you to reconsider. Are you expecting an outcome that was never agreed upon? And it would be lovely if if we do a nice thing for someone. It would be lovely if they did a nice thing for us. But the point is that that's that's not really how it always works. Not everyone thinks in that way. And it's not required of them to. And so when you make connections for people or when you offer guidance, don't do it for the assumption that you're going to get something back for it from that specific person. Instead, consider zooming out. If you want, you can consider assuming it will come back to you. You will get what you're owed. But don't assume it has to come from that specific person or that specific company. Just because you connected Jane to Joe, don't assume Jane owes you. Assume your connecting qualities will come back to you. You just don't know how or when or where or what format. Assume the universe is working for you, not that individual. Make it about an energetic exchange, not a specific relationship. This will take some of the pressure off of your relationships. This will make it so that you're less resentful of those that you're working with. And this will also help you to decide when you want to help someone out. If you really ask yourself, are you helping this person because you genuinely want to help them? Or are you just helping them because you think helping them will get you something later on? And if it's that latter one, Maybe just don't help them because you don't know if you're going to get something from them later on anyways. Consider the intent behind what you're doing. And if you like that intent, and if that intent has a required outcome that only you know about, either voice the outcome of what you're looking for or eliminate the required outcome because no one owes us anything. If we think they do, that it's not in a contract and it's not in writing. And even if it is, those are just the stories we tell ourselves about how the world's supposed to work. It's not a written requirement. It's just thoughts in our head. And they might not match the perceptions of others. Misconception number five, people make it all about themselves. 
I had someone who, who didn't understand why they would go to networking events and no one would think to bring my client's name up for positions that my client was qualified for. And I've seen this with entrepreneur clients as well. They don't understand why no one is responding to their posts. They don't understand why no one sees them in that way. If you want other people to see your LinkedIn, see theirs. If you want other people to share your message, share theirs. If you want other people to think of you, think of them. Not with the expectation that that means it'll come back to you from that specific person, like we talked about earlier. But don't assume that everything is about you. And and I don't mean this to sound harsh. I just want to use this as an opportunity to create an opening. Are there ways you could consider the other person more? Are there ways you could highlight them more? You want them to see you, see them. We talked about that earlier. And what that also means is make it also about them. If you're in that interview and you have an idea of how you could help them, make it about them, help them. Find a a way to talk to them about what could be useful for them. If you see a career path for you and you want to pursue that path, ask what's in it for them and then communicate that to them also informing them of how you can help. So don't just look at your lens. Take into consideration their lens as well. And then the sixth misconception, if you notice you're not being seen, calling people out for not seeing you doesn't really help. It can just make other people feel uncomfortable. We don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable to try to force their hand or pressure them into seeing us. Instead, we want to show them how to win with us. So for example here, if you've reached out to a recruiter or to somebody on LinkedIn and position you're interested in, and they haven't gotten back to you, don't respond immediately with, hey, I'm checking in. Did you get my last email? Now imagine you open your inbox and in there's a message that says, did you get my last email? How does that make you feel? For me, it makes me feel incredibly frustrated. Like I can literally feel my jaw clenching as I think about that. Why? Because it's implying that I dropped the ball. It's implying that I must have missed an email that came through and that I should have responded. It's it's so pressure-inducing. It feels like somebody's trying to control me by calling me out for not responding to their email. Maybe I did see the email and I didn't want to respond. Maybe I didn't see the email and my inbox is overflowing and I have a lot going on. Maybe I just forgot. In any case, even if I intentionally didn't respond, being called out just makes me feel like crap. And when I feel like crap, I don't want to help you. Imagine how that could feel to a recruiter. Hey, did you see my last email? Instead, think about how you could help them feel good. We want people to feel good with interactions with us, especially when it has to do with wanting to further our career. So instead of calling people out for not showing up, let them know what you're looking for. Hey, I noticed it's been a bit since we last connected. Do you have some time to chat? Hey, I'm sure you're really busy 
And here's what I think I could do to help you out. Would you like to hop on the call? Notice the different way that those emails would feel as opposed to someone saying, did you get my last email? You've got to give people time to respond to you. And you also want to think about how they'll feel receiving your email. Sometimes we can get so in our own frustrations and our own sense of desperation because it seems like no one's seeing us. And so we want to know if they've seen us. So we ask, hey, did you see that? Did you see that post? Did you get that email? Did you notice my application? That's all about you. Again, we want to turn this around. Let them see how they can win with you. Instead of calling them out for how they failed, show them how they can win. Hey, I'd love to chat with you about this because I really think I can help. I'm sure you're busy, and so my last message might have gotten lost in your inbox. Give them the benefit of the doubt, folks. This is especially true when you're seeking higher positions. It's maybe you want to take a different approach if you're talking with your own direct rapport and they continually are missing deadlines. But for the sake of this podcast episode, which is about when you're not being seen, what do you do? You don't call them out. You don't ask if they noticed. You show them how to win with you. You don't try to test them to see if they respond. You don't, you don't want to do anything that could potentially create a sense of uncomfort. Instead, instead, Make them want to respond to you. I've had people who it feels like they're like actively pursuing me to work with them. And it's the most annoying thing. They won't stop contacting me. And sometimes it does lead me to respond. So I guess they get the res- a response, but I will never forget that they did it through this sense of force pressure, manipulation, and I will never recommend them. I will never work with them again. I will always find a reason not to. People don't forget how you make them feel. They might forget why they feel that way around you. They might not remember the specifics or they might invent their own story, but they don't forget the feeling. And even if consciously they don't remember, their body remembers. It's like you hear a song or you have a smell and it's tied to some memory. You might not even remember the specific memory, but it makes you feel a certain way because it's how you felt the last time you heard that song or smelled that smell. And so approach those interactions, whether it's an email, a phone call, a post, whatever it is, approach them from the sense of how can I, how can I show this person how they can win with me? Not to require them to, but to make them inspired to want to. How can I make that it fun for them to respond to me? How can I make it them feel like I've made their day by me emailing them? Use those questions to guide what you say and how you feel as you draft it, and that'll help them be more likely to see you. So to recap these six misconceptions, number one, instead of waiting to be given a chance, give them a chance to see you. Number two, instead of requesting to be seen, give them something worthy of being seen. Number three, instead of assuming the work speaks for itself, speak for your work. Number four, instead of making it this tit-for-tat IOU entitled aspect, let go of that specific person or opportunity. Don't expect an outcome from them 
and make it more about honoring and trusting that the energetic exchange overall will result in what you're after. Number five, instead of making it all about you, see them. You want them to see you, you see them. Number six, instead of calling them out or making them feel uncomfortable to try to force their hand or pressure them into responding or seeing you, show them how to win with you. Those six approaches, those shifts in how you go about it will help you to go from not being seen to creating space for others to see you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you loved what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. I help my clients to show up and do their work their way with soul. Whether it's so you can excel in your current role or so you can figure out what you want for your next role and get that role, coaching can help you get there. It begins with a consult. Sign up for yours by going to believeseed.com slash schedule. This is your free call and it is that first step towards that new life, that transformation into you doing your work in your way with salt.